turn with me to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18. And while you get there to that verse, and when we all get there in a few moments, we'll stand for the reading of God's word. Just to mention to you, I have already said uh, just about the gift day. This is our gift day today uh, for the building here behind us, renovating and adding to. So we're just trusting the Lord for that. I'd mentioned uh, last week that uh, we have our code in for the lift that we need in between the two buildings and that's for £14,100. And so we're going to believe the Lord uh, for the Lord to meet the need uh, for that one particular area of the building. So I just trust that, again, you would pray into that and you'd sacrificially give onto that as onto the Lord. And we continue to give our tithes, our offerings onto the Lord through uh, the online transfer, or there's envelopes there at the back. But let's believe the Lord together. We could really do with a little bit more room I believe we're filling up well, and uh, it's a good sign, but we're just going to trust the Lord that the Lord will undertake for us in going forward. Uh, also, just remember these Sunday nights, uh, the Sunday night again, my house will be a house of prayer. We're seeking the Lord in prayer on Sunday nights. I'm going to pray again for this land, for this nation. We have to believe the Lord. We have to come to seek the Lord in prayer. It's so important. Uh, the days in which we're in, we need to pray. You know, David Wilkerson did prophesy that the day would come that the churches would be closed down. And But after that, after there was a period of time of great turmoil in the nations, there would be a third outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And friends, we know what's happening. It's so important to keep our eyes fixed. And secondly, and I believe the Lord's given me a message for this morning, we need to be grounded in God's word. We need to be grounded in God's word. You're going to be pushed and swayed with everything that's happening, but you must be grounded in the word of God. So I encourage you, friends, that we come to seek the Lord in prayer tonight. His house will be a house of prayer for all people. Praise the Lord. If you're at that verse, would you stand with me? Amen. We honor the reading of God's word together. And again, I'd ask if we could all read this verse, just this one verse, at 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18. And we'll all read that one verse together if everybody is there. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak to us this morning? Lord, we hear many voices, we hear many things, but Lord, we want to hear from you this morning through the preaching of your word. Lord, shut out every other voice in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray against every work of the enemy in the name of Jesus, and we plead the precious blood of Jesus over your people, both here and across these lands. Lord, wherever your word is open today and proclaimed, would you anoint it with the Holy Ghost? Would you speak? And Lord, would you come amongst us? Glorify your name, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You may take your seats. I'm going to speak this morning. I was away for a couple of days there with Jack and... Um, just as we get into the car to drive straight away, I knew I was going to get a bit of time, not only with him, but just a bit of time alone. And I knew the Lord straight away had given me a word, just directed me away. We've been on the book of Ruth. I'll 
God willing, return to that, uh, not next week, Brother Stephen will be bringing the word next Sunday morning, but two weeks' time, I'll return to finish off in that series. But I knew the Lord had stirred me, in particular because of the hour that we're living in and what is happening at this time. And I really want to encourage everyone this morning. I, I You know, we hear so much, our, our every platform around us is filled with information uh, and the world seeking for our attention. And we listen to bits and pieces of it, parts of it. And sometimes we maybe listen to too much of it. And then it influences our thinking. It begins to influence how we live. It begins to influence our lives, our manner, our conduct. And so I believe it's important this morning that we can give time to hear what God wants to say to us. So important to hear what he has to say in the midst of all of this. And the message that he gave me is entitled, Be Not Carried Away with the Spirit of Antichrist. Be Not Carried Away with the Spirit of Antichrist. It is the last time. And as you've heard, the Apostle John, that old saint of God, as he's writing probably his final words to the church of that early century, says it's the last time, children, you see that father's heart, that figure head that God had placed him in that body. He's pleading with that church and he's talking to them about great turmoil that has even come on the world in that generation. And he says, now there are many antichrists. There are many antichrists. And he speaks also of a singular antichrist knowing and speaking of the last days. And by that, when we see that, we know, we know that it is the last time. We know it is the last time. You know, the Antichrist and the spirit of Antichrist, more particularly, not trying to so much, I believe, from Scripture, I believe what God has revealed to me is what that Antichrist and who that Antichrist is, but the spirit of the Antichrist will be manifested in uh, four particular ways. I believe this is from the Lord. Number one, deception. Number two, division. Number three, confusion. And number four, fear. Now, listen, brothers and sisters, and those that are here that are not saved, our world is filled with the spirit of Antichrist. Deception is rampant. The spirit of division that is coming, even using COVID, and I don't want to focus on it, but just mention it, even using this to bring the spirit of division amongst believers. We must must be so careful with one another, where people are at different places, even in dealing with this. I understand that, but it's the spirit that is at work behind it. The spirit of division, the spirit of confusion. It's a world that's in, it's in a mess. And lastly, then, the tangible spirit of fear that is rampant and all around us. The word antichrist, Greek, antichristos, is the opponent, the opponent to the Messiah. We are the body of Christ. He is our head. And the Antichrist, the Antichristos, is the opponent of the church of the living God, those that are the blood-bought and spirit-filled believer. The, 
the Antichrist is opposed to the church of Jesus Christ. And so we see the manifestation of the day in which we're in. We see the fear. We see the confusion. We see the division. We see the deception. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereby we know it's the last time. It is the last time. So what are we to do? And I want to speak this morning line upon line. Take some time, if you would follow it with me, from Hebrews chapter 13. You turned over Hebrews chapter 13, and we're going to read uh, just through it line by line. Uh, from verse 5, we'll pick up in our reading. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say that the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever, be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a Good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to each which serve the tabernacle for the bodies of those beasts whose blood is bought, brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin or burned without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us... Go forth therefore unto him without the camp bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto his name. But to do good and to communicate forget not. For with such sacrifices is God well pleased. Verse 5, if you go back for a moment, we read there, let not your conversation, let your conversation be without covetousness. The word conversation, if you're just taking notes or underlining, but I do want to go through it uh, just as the Lord gave it to me. The word conversation says, let your manner of life, let your manner of life be without covetousness. That simply means the love of money. The, let your manner of life be delivered from the love of money, from this world that is, is striving for riches and wealth. But the believer's manner of life is to be free from this. And I want to say something, you don't have to be rich to be covetous. You could be the poorest person in the world, but you still could be a covetous person. And the Bible says here, be content, be satisfied with such things that you presently have. Be content with the things that you have. Why should a people, of followers of Christ, be content with such things that we have? Why? Because the verse says here, For he has said, I'll never leave you, and I will never forsake you. What a promise we have. I will never, of course, is a double negative strengthening the denial. That simply means never, not at all. 
not by any means or any more, never or in any case, in any wise, will I leave you or will I forsake you? That's a promise. Right to the very end, Jesus said he will be with us. I will never leave you. That word there in the Greek, the word leave you in the Greek simply says, I will never give up on you. I will never give up on you. I will not. This is what it actually means. I'm not going to let you sink. You remember those disciples that were in the boat and the Lord was sleeping and the water was coming in, and the fear was coming in, and the storms were coming in, and the anxiety was coming in, and the trials were coming in, and everything was coming in. And they woke the Lord and they said, Master, do you not care that we perish? And the Lord said, Oh, ye of little faith. And he stood up, and in an instant, he rebuked the winds and the waves. And friends, this morning, he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. The master can rise in a moment and can speak to the plague. And the plague, listen, could be gone in a night. But we're living in a day where we're paying a heavy price as a nation because of the laws that we have brought in. If a nation believes in all of their wisdom and the politicians believe in all of their wisdom that they can bring into our nation laws that are abhorrent to a holy God, that they can introduce abortion and same-sex marriage and not bear the consequences of the judgment of God. Friends, this morning, God is a God that cannot be mocked. He is in control and he is the master of the waves. And he said to his people, his church, you as an individual, I will not by any means and never and in any case and in any wise am I going to let my church sink. Because I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. They let the word of God sink into our hearts. I will never leave you or will I forsake you. Do you know what that means, the word in the Greek? That is to leave you behind in some place. I'm not going to abandon you. Listen, saints, this morning. I'm not going to abandon. This is the word of the Lord. I'm not going to leave you. Never in no wise. Ever will I leave you. I'm not going to let you sink. And I'm not going to leave you in some desert place. I'll bring you through the desert. And I'll bring you in to everything that I have for you. But I will never... This is a promise. This is the promise. This is the word of God. Turn off the radio. Turn off the TV. Turn off the internet. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I won't abandon you. And because of this, verse 6, what does it say? So that we, who are the we? That's we. That's us. So that we may boldly say, what can we boldly say in the light of the promise of God? The Lord is my helper. And I will not, what does it say? Fear what man shall do unto me. Can I say it again? The Lord is my helper. It says we can boldly say it. The Lord is my helper. 
and I will not fear. Fear what man shall do unto me. What is the spirit of Antichrist? Fear, confusion, division, and deception. With the promises of God, the church then are instructed to boldly, that word boldly means to be of good courage and to exercise their courage and say or affirm and lay forth this promise. The Lord is my helper. Would you say it with me this morning? It has to sink in. It has to sink in. The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. It says because there's a promise that the church should be bold and courageous in declaring the promises of God. Now, I want to challenge this meeting. The Lord's told me to do this, by the way. But I want you in this room this morning, perhaps there's one that's been fearful, one that's been overcome this week with all the things that are going on, one that has been troubled, one that has been filled with anxiety. Friends, let me tell you something. You're not on your own. Don't you think that you're coming into a place that we've all got it all together? We're men and women of like passions, just like you are. We have our battles. Those clouds do come. We hear what you hear. But friends, there has to be a declaration. There has to be a standing. There has to be a boldness. There has to be a courage. There has to be a Holy Ghost boldness in the church that stands up and says, The Lord's my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Now, someone want to stand and do it? Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Praise the Lord, Clive. Somebody else want to do it this morning? The Lord is my helper, and I shall not fear what man shall do unto me. Praise the Lord. Somebody else this morning? Amen. Praise the Lord. Someone else. Praise the Lord. Someone declare it this morning. Anybody else? Praise the Lord, Roberta Tommy. Praise the Lord, Ronnie. Amen. Is there somebody else? Keep declaring it. Praise the Lord, Ruth. Praise the Lord. Someone else this morning. Praise the Lord. Can we all stand and say it together? Amen. Let's say it all. The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Let's praise him this morning for the promises of God. Let's give him thanks this morning. The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Thank you, Jesus, this morning. Praise the name of the Lord. Glorify your name this morning. We lift you up, Lord. You'll never leave us or forsake us. You'll never leave us to sink or desert us. You're a wonderful Savior. Praise the name of Jesus. You are my helper. You are my helper. And I will not fear what man will do unto me. Praise the Lord. Amen. You may take your seats together. Hallelujah. The word fear, of course, the Greek word is phobio. That is where we get, and how often do you hear this today? The word phobia. It is absolutely, it is just, you could nearly couldn't write it, but the Lord did. And it's true. We have come to an age where the word fear or phobia, and I understand what people perhaps are thinking, but listen very carefully. It's the spirit of Antichrist. 
And it's the spirit of fear. And I tell you, friends, with the authority that we have been given in the name of Jesus Christ and through the blood, not in our strength or not in who we are, but in the victory of the cross, I rebuke the spirit of fear over God's people. I plead the blood of Jesus over your family, over my family, over your marriage, over my marriage, and over your children. I plead the blood of Jesus. I will say that the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man will do unto me. That does not, you, that does not mean that you won't experience the spirit of Antichrist. That does not mean that you will not experience fear. You understand this morning? We're not living with our head in the clouds, but we are living with our hearts set on Jesus. The fear that has come in our nation is tangible. Brothers and sisters, we've got a helper in times of trouble, and his name's Jesus. And he said, I'm never going to leave you. Never. It's a double negative. I will never, in no wise, by any means, I'll never leave you. I'll not abandon the ship. We've got a captain here that's never going to abandon ship. He's going to bring the ship the whole way home to glory. We have a Savior and He's up on the deck, friend. There might be a few storms and there might be a few winds that come. But glory be to Jesus, we're going home and we're going all the way with Jesus. Now this spirit of fear is so real. You know, even this week, can I just be honest, I've seen it, I've heard it, you might laugh, but I've smelled it, it's everywhere. All of a sudden, our streets are different, all of a sudden people are diving around cars to avoid you, that's not just outside the church, that's even starting to come into the church, all of a sudden everyone seems to be, not everyone, but it's like a rabbit being caught on the headlights all of a sudden. What will we do? Can I tell you what it is? It's the spirit of fear. Can I also tell you, you need to be very careful to what you're listening to. You need to be careful to what your dad is. Because the power of words has a profound effect on people's mind. There's a powerful atmosphere currently of fear. And the fear's coming because of the power of words, what men say. If you were to listen to it all day, you probably wouldn't sleep all night. If you were to listen to it all day, you'd probably go to the top of Donard and never come back down again. If you were to listen to it all day, you would actually end up thinking that God has abandoned us, even though his word says, I will never leave you or forsake you. The psalmist says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And he asks a question. I want to ask this question because that's what it is. Whom shall I fear? If the Lord is your light and the Lord is your salvation, then whom will you fear? Whom will you fear? 
The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Are you afraid? Have you experienced the spirit of fear? I want to say a couple of things. You know, I've stopped. If you understand what I'm saying, I've stopped. There's a lot out there. Isn't there a lot out there? I mean, there's a lot out there. There's a lot of stuff. A lot. Of, I just call it stuff. Some of it's biblical. Some of it's sound. Some of it's from God's word. 95% of it isn't. Are you hearing me this morning? 95% of it is not based on God's word. Most of it is conspiracy. And even within the church, the conspiracy is swept in. But friends, this morning it's so important that we know that your life and my life is in his hands. It's not in the hands of anybody else in this world. It's in his hands. The number one cause of deaths in Northern Ireland, so that you know, is through chest, heart or stroke with a population of 1.882000, approximately million people, you have a 0.3% by living here of Dan through chest, heart, or stroke. Second is cancer. With the population, with the deaths per year, you have a 0 0.232465462274418. Calculators are amazing things, but that's the percentage of death. That's fact. The die of COVID, and can I also say that the figures can be disputed and should be. They should be disputed because we know, we know that they have lied in some cases. But you have a 0.031% chance, and I don't believe in chances, of dying from COVID. Our world has completely changed. There is a spirit of atmosphere. I don't believe that the people or the politicians are our enemies. They need our prayers. Because we are instructed to pray for them. But there is a spirit of Antichrist that is working. And now we begin to label people. If you're over 60, and there's not too many, but there's a few over 60, they want to call you vulnerable. Now I do believe that you need to be careful. But you need to be careful at any age. And perhaps if you're a little bit older, because we know the outward man is perishing, that's true, we need to take precautions. But can I tell you something, if you're over 60 and you're saved, the Bible doesn't call you vulnerable. The Bible calls you an overcomer. Actually, the Bible says you're more than a conqueror. You don't stop being an overcomer or a conqueror when you hit 60. Praise the Lord. You're going on to glory. And you have much more to give in your latter years than you have in your early years because you've walked with this Christ and the younger ones need to see a life lived. In verse 7 of Hebrews 13, it says, 
that we are to be mindful or remember those that have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith you're to follow, considering their conversation. In other words, he's saying here, be mindful of those that care for your soul, who speak the word of God and how we must pray for the leaders in the churches to speak the word of God. They must speak the word of God. Sadly, what is happening, friends, and I don't say this in any other way, but a way that I believe that God's heart is broken over this. Leaders within the church are actually pouring in fear to the people of God. And we need to pray for our leaders and churches. We need to follow lives that live a life of faith, not of fear. We need to follow and consider their conduct because they have a responsibility that they'll be accountable for one day before the throne of grace. Not before a committee in Stormont or not before a committee over in Westminster, but one day before the great bar, that's the judgment seat of Christ. And then he says in verse 8, the great verse, would you say it with me, verse 8? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Would you say amen? He never changes. That simply means same, means unchangeable. That means he is faithful yesterday. He's faithful today. Can I tell you, if tomorrow comes, God's going to be faithful. He was and he is and he is to come. All may change, but praise the Lord Jesus, never. Would you say never? That's a word we hear a lot over here. But this is one never that you can be sure of. Never change, Jesus. And then verse 9, here's our verse. Now be not carried about. Listen carefully. Listen, friends. If you've given an hour and a half to the TV shows and the radio stations, at least give God, at least give God an hour and a half to hear his word this morning. Be not carried with diverse and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that your heart, my heart, be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Now the words carried about is simply to be all over the place, in place or cause or in time, or to burden someone and cause them to wander around. With diverse, or that is uh, various sorts of strange, that's foreign doctrines. Now, a lot of people will think because it says doctrines, then that means that must be something that is taught in church. That is not it. The word doctrine simply means teachings. And so we're being taught here in Hebrews 13 and 9, that is the church of Jesus Christ with the great promises that we have, now, we are not to be carried about with these diverse and strange doctrines. Now, you know and I know that we're living in such an hour that there has been an unbelievable tsunami of strange and diverse teachings that have been poured out over these nations. It's not just there's one here and there. There is a tsunami of strange and foreign teachings within the church and without the church, seducing spirits, the spirit of Antichrist that has swept over the body of Christ and is vying for a place in your mind and in your heart. 
And if those teachings find a place in your life or in your heart, the first thing that you will find is you will lose your peace. You will be confused. You will experience fear and deception comes. That's why we're instructed here not to be carried away with these things. You can get them all on YouTube. You can get them in your newspaper. You can get them on the radio station. And you can get them on the TV. You can get them everywhere. But they are sweeping in across the nation at this time. And people are being carried away with these things. Look at 2 Timothy 4 and 3 for a moment. 2 Timothy 4 and 3. Paul writes to Timothy, says these words, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. There will be a time. It's not that this might happen, this will happen. And this is happening. The time will come, they will not endure sound doctrine, the preaching of the gospel, the sound teaching of God's word. There'll come a time they will not want to hear this. That's the day we're in. We are blessed, brothers and sisters, that from this pulpit that there are men that can stand and proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ and the full counsel of God's word. We are blessed. Make no mistake about that. Because after their own lust, remember the verse was that we're not to be covetousness. There wasn't to be a covetous heart. But after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers. And friends, I want to tell you, there has been an explosion of teachers in this current era of what we call a pandemic. There's teachers come out of the woodwork. There's teachers that have arrived all of a sudden. You just have to stick a teacher label on their shoulder and they're experts in everything that's going on and they don't speak the word of truth. They don't preach the full counsel of God. They've got an opinion about everything, but they don't proclaim. We're here to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the world's going to love this and people in the church are going to love this. Teachers having itching ears and this is what Paul says, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned onto, listen very carefully, myths, fables. That's what it means, myths. Listen, let me tell you, can I just be honest, friends? Listen very carefully this morning. I know we're in awesome days. I know the spirit of Antichrist and the Antichrist. We're living in those last days. I know there is going to be the fulfillment of every prophecy in this book. What way you interpret all that, there might be a diversity, but we are going to see it. We are experiencing it. I know there is the mark of the beast. I know that there's the spirit of Antichrist. I know there's an Antichrist. But friends, I want to tell you something. I know that Jesus is coming in all his glory and all his power and all his might. And it's the second coming of the Lord. And he's going to destroy the spirit of Antichrist with the word that comes from his mouth. And I can all day feed my mind on what Bill Gates is doing. I don't know what he's doing. I know he's a wealthy man, but friends, one day if he's not saved, he's going to stand before the great white throne judgment and he's going to bow his knee to Jesus. There are myths, fables. 
that are coming in, that are occupying the mind of the believer. We have all been there. We know we've experienced it. We're finding out all these things, all these ideas. You know, friends, I want to tell you, just soak yourself in the Word of God. Preach the Word. Pray the Word. Send the Word of God round. Encourage the saints with God's Word. We may not have a full revelation. We don't. And all that's about to happen. But I want to tell you something. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's never going to leave me. This might be too simple for some. But praise the Lord. I'm going on to heaven. And I want to bring as many souls as I can with me. That might be too simple. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 1 says these words. 2 Peter 2 and 1. 2 Peter 2 and 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction, The Bible says that many, this is a tragedy. This is heartbreaking this morning. Many, this is not us standing here saying, oh, we've got it all right. We don't have it all right. But many's going to follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth, the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. In other words, what you believe and what I believe concerning the simple fundamental truths of the gospel that we believe from Genesis to Revelation that this is God's word. That it is for every generation. It never changes no matter what culture it is, no matter what, the, what, what language it's in. But this is the word of God. And this word never changes. From Genesis to Revelation, it has been breathed by, by, the, by the Holy Ghost. And men have penned it. It is inspired. It is inerrant. It is infallible. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is the sword of the Spirit. And this is the word of God. But what will happen is, if you believe that, you'll be evil spoken off. Have you heard it? And through covetousness, there's that word again, shall they with feigned words, empty words, make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth, and their damnation. This is sobering, friends. Slumbereth not. What I'm saying and what the believer Lord saying this morning, we must be extremely careful of what is dictating or conditioning our mind and our conduct. Sound doctrine is the word of God. That's what sound doctrine is. This teach this book. Anything else? Any idea? Any other myth or fable? Anything else, friends? I want to tell you, and we have all. I've been susceptible to this, every one of us. But let me tell you, friends, we must be grounded in God's Word. The Bible says here back in the Hebrews chapter 13, he then says, for it is a good thing that the heart... Now, this is important. This is really important. If you just keep with me this morning... But it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. Listen very carefully. What is the heart? It's not just this organ that's pumping in our body. But when the Bible speaks of the heart, it's the center and it's the seat of all spiritual life. 
It's the thoughts, the passions, the desires, the appetites, the affections, the purposes, the understanding, the intelligence, the will, the character, and the emotions. This is the seat of spiritual life. God says through his word to us, it's a good thing that your heart is established or grounded with the grace of God. Now, what are we talking about here with grace? With the divine influence upon the heart. That your heart and my heart would be governed by the power of divine grace. That we would be influenced not from this world and its system and its standards and its wisdom. And its wisdom, but the divine influence that's upon the church of Jesus Christ should be the grace of God by the power of the Holy Ghost, what with that our hearts would be established. In other words, that they would take firm root in the Word of God and we will not be moved. What is influencing you? What's influencing you? You know yourself, I don't know much how it works, but you put that YouTube, I call it the YouTube. I know it's not the YouTube, but I call it the YouTube. And you put that on, then there's some uh, things come up the side or, or relevant things that they want you to hear. Listen, I mean, friends, some of it is just absolutely garbage. Speaking into what's happened. Let me tell you, friends, get into this. Be Grounded in the word of God. Listen, young people. You, you might, I don't know where you are spiritually this morning, where you are in your walk, what you think is going on or what's not going on. But I want to tell you, because of the age, remember our verse. It is the last time. And we know it's the last time because the spirit of Antichrist is, is so prevalent across our nation. What way or how can I stand in this? The only way any of us can stand is on the promises of God and by the power of the Holy Ghost. No other way. Nothing else. Thank God for our church. Thank God for the people around us. But young person, older person, wherever we are, we can only stand by the grace of God on the promises of God. And we're standing on the promises that cannot feel. Never will they feel. I encourage you, young person, take off the YouTube, take off the, all the things and get into the Word of God and get into prayer and get onto the streets and fight the good fight of faith against the powers of hell and darkness. And iron will come into your soul and stand up and be a soldier of the cross. But no one else is doing it. It doesn't matter who else isn't doing it. You do it. You only ever needed a few because with one you're a majority when God's on your side. And if God's for us, who can be against us? You see, influence is a powerful thing, isn't it? Isn't influence a really powerful thing? Listen, once I was young, you may not believe that, but influence in your life as a teenager into your 20s, the influence, what the crowd are doing, where they're going, and even more so today. Friends, I tell you, what, they're, what they have today, what they're exposed to today. I know we call it being advanced and moving on in technology in a different world, but I want to tell you, it's actually frightening. The influence. Who influences you? Who influences you? Really, who is your influence? You waiting the Thursday nights for the big announcement? Because many believers are. 
Many believers are just waiting Thursday night and then their life is going to be dictated by what happens, even though they say it doesn't. But when you've sat there for an hour and listened to all what they say, that influences your mind and your conduct. Make no mistake about that. But who influences you? May the Holy Ghost, with the divine grace of God, sweep over our beings today and influence his people. Do you want God to influence your life? Do you want the influence of the Holy Spirit? Sometimes we've got to shut some things off and we've got to turn some things on. I tell you, friends, we've got to shut it off. This world is trying to get us, trying to dictate to us and trying to influence us, but we've got to be... Tell me, are you actually saying... What are you actually saying here? I'm telling you, friend, this morning, my life is going to be dictated by the Word of God and by the Holy Ghost. I don't say that in any arrogant way. I tell you, friends, this morning, I know that there's a real, there is a real virus, but listen, friends, let me tell you something. This world is being judged and this nation's being judged. And what are we to do in the midst of this? We are to come together, we are to pray, and we are to call on the Lord. Why? Because He's a God that's full of mercy. He's looking for someone to call out to him. It's a good thing that this heart, but not with meats. That's what it says. It's a strange thing. Not with the things that have no profit. Not with the natural realm. People are trying to build up their life and their existence, even believers, with natural things. I want to tell you, friends, everything that can be shaken will be shaken and is being shaken. Jesus says that my meat is to do the will of God. Romans 14 and 17 says that the kingdom of God is not meat, that's the natural, and drink. But this is the kingdom we are a part of. It's righteousness, it's peace. And what is it? Would you say the word joy? Where's the joy gone? Where's the joy gone? The joy of the Lord, what is it? It's our strength, isn't it? The joy of the Lord is our strength. That's what it is. The joy of the Lord is our strength. What makes the church strong? It's the joy of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Thank God this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Are you happy this morning to be saved, clothed in your right mind? Have you come in with the weight of the world and all this stuff? That's going on. Praise the Lord. We're free. Glory to God. We've got a song in our hearts. We're on the victor's side this morning. We're going home to be with Jesus. I wonder how you're going to enter heaven. I wonder when you get there. And you see the great cloud of witnesses. And the bride of Christ is walking down that aisle to meet the Savior at the altar of God. And all the saints that have gone before us of faith on each side of us. And we're the last generation, possibly the last generation, they enter into the kingdom of God. And when the saints go marching in, I want to be in that number. But what are we going to be like? Boy, we had COVID. They had the gladiators. They were burnt on top of stakes by Nero. They were beheaded. They were sent to the stake with their families in the Reformation. My God. Friends, I want to tell you there's brothers and sisters in the world this morning that are in prisons in North Korea. 
that are in prisons across our Middle East that can't meet like we can meet. And this morning we are running around in this Laodicean age because of what? I'm saved this morning. I should have been dead by 25 and he saved me at 21. And thank God this morning I'm saved by the grace of God. And if my life goes from me tonight, friends, or in the morning, I'm going to be present with the Lord. That's joy. That's what joy is. Oh, it's because you're a Pentecostal. No, it's not. It's because I'm saved. It's nothing to do with denominations. It's because I'm saved. If it had not been for the Lord, I'd be in a lost sinner's hell this morning forever and ever and ever, but for God's grace. I'll tell you, friends, if that doesn't make you happy, if you can jump around and dance around at the football and everything else. I know it's been said for years, but it actually is true. The meats of this world, you can jump around at that and dance and everything else. That's okay. That's okay if your team's winning, but I tell you, our team will never get beat. Praise the Lord, this morning we're on the winning side. Is that not enough reason to be happy? But we're Christians. We're supposed to be the happiest people in the world because we're saved. Then it says there, you see, we have an altar. This is awesome this morning. If this could really get us, if this could really impact us, you see, we have an altar. Whereof they have no right to each which serve in the tabernacle. He's speaking of that old and all the works and everything. That's religion. All the works that they had to go through. All the procedures they had to go through. The animals they had to get. What way they had to be. And how they brought them to that altar. And the blood had to be shed. And the flesh had to be taken out. And no one could enter into the holy place. Or into the holy of holies. But by blood. But once a year. The high priest would go in. And they'd tie a rope around his ankle. Just in case at that moment. Something wasn't right. And the holiness of God would strike him dead. And then they would trail that high priest out of that tabernacle because he had broke some minute law and this morning we're free and all because our great high priest Jesus we have an altar what is it it's the cross we can come to a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains and it still flows for me today oh I feel them there's still blood Oh, I've let him down. There's still blood. We have an altar. We have an altar. That's the cross. The bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest and bird without the come. Come at an end in a few minutes. But please, if we can listen to that stuff for hours all week, we can give the Lord a bit of time this morning. Verse 12 says, Wherefore, Jesus, Jesus, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. He suffered. Think about it. He suffered. He suffered without the gate. The eternal Son, an everlasting covenant, in the almighty precious blood of the Lamb, suffered. And he suffered for you. And he suffered for me. He suffered. Think about it. He suffered. No one suffered like this man. Nobody went through what this man went through. There is the physical. 
where his back was ploughed like a field. He was marred more than any man. His very hairs of his face were ripped. They spat upon him, they beat him, and they crushed that crown of thorns into his head. And friends, they led him outside that city where they claimed that they worshipped God. And they took him to an old rugged cross and there they kneeled him to that tree and they wagged their heads at him and they said, if you can save others, then you save yourself. And there he hung and he suffered and he died for the sins of humanity, for my sin, for your sin. He suffered. He suffered. He suffered. Verse 13 says this. Now let us. Let us. Christian. Let us. Go forth therefore unto him without the camp. Friends, we need to get out of the camp. Are you hearing me this morning? We need to get out of the camp. This world mentality, this spirit of this age, the influences that's all around us, we need to get out of the camp. Let us go forth. This is what it says. You see, here's a a great challenge that's coming to the end time church. Here's what's coming, friends. Listen to me. Here's what's coming. This is prophetic. Here's what's coming. Bearing his reproach. It's coming. It's come and it's coming. You know, it's great amongst the church rejoicing, singing, enjoying it. But you know, you are work in secular employment. Those are working in the hospitals. Those are working in nursing homes. Those are working in factories. Those are working in, in all different types of places. There's a reproach. There's a reproach to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us go forth. I'm going to ask a question. Who will go with this man? You know, the nearer he got to the cross, the less, the less there was that followed him. The closer he got to Calvary, you remember Peter? You remember his great words? You remember Thomas? You remember those disciples? You remember them all, but the closer he got to Calvary, outside the gate, outside people who really want to go, it seemed to be lesser and lesser. It's easy to stay in the camp, young people. It's easy to stay in the camp. It's easy to stay amongst the popular opinion. God forbid that you would ever stand up and say anything because you would know, and you know better than me, especially young people. The only times I've I've seen what's out there is a couple of years ago for one night, I watched that top table. Anybody know what the top table is? It's a thing that a a well-known presenter, that's all I'll say, and it's for young people and you get their opinions. I want to tell you, friends, it's shocking. 
listen to me, it's shocking. Yeah, but that's the way it is, Tim. I mean, you just sort of, maybe you're old-fashioned. I'm not old-fashioned. Trust me, I'm not old-fashioned. You're from the ark. Well, I'm going to stay in the ark. You're from a different, I'm not from a different realm. I just believe this. And all the saints of old have just believed this. That's how they stood. They didn't stand their own strength. They just says, I'm going to cling to this. And that old rugged cross, because that's enough. Now the modern church say, God love him. He hasn't moved on. Well, praise the Lord. If I'm stuck at the cross, I'm staying stuck. Let us go forth. But who will go? Who will bear his reproach? Paul writes to Timothy and he says these words. 1 Timothy 4 and 10. For therefore we both labor and we suffer. We suffer reproach. Because we trust in the living God. That's why he suffered reproach. Because he was trusted in the living God. Can you imagine? Who is the saviour of all men, especially of those that believe. Who will bear his reproach? It's easy to have your mind conditioned. It's easy to be influenced by this world. It's easy to sit in a group of people and listen to the wisdom of this world, even concerning all this, this stuff that's going on. Everybody has an opinion. And one of the most popular things, but you need to be wise. What wisdom? Let me ask you, friend, what wisdom are you talking about? If you've said that or if I've said that, what wisdom are we referring to? The wisdom of this world or the wisdom of God? Who'll go with this man? Who'll go with this man? I believe in speaking from the heart of God. Who'll go with this man? Who'll bear his reproach? Hebrews 11, 24. If you turn to it for a moment, coming to a close. Hebrews 11, 24. Says these words, Hebrews eleven twenty four, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, he refused. You hear that this morning? He refused. Do you know what he said? He said no. This world doesn't like black and whites. It doesn't like people saying no. No, we don't go with this. No, we don't go to that place. No, we don't do what they do. No. Why? Because we are a different people. Oh, for someone. You know, remember years ago, years and years and years ago, maybe before some of the younger ones, used to be a thing over here, older ones will definitely know it, used to be a thing called Ulster Says No. Remember that? It used to be above the city hall. Remember the big rallies? Ulster Says No. I'm going to tell you something. Some Christians need to say no. No, we won't compromise. No, we won't go down to the same place that you go. No, we won't listen to the same things that you listen to. And no, we won't watch the things that you watch. That's not legalism. That's what they've tried to tell us that it is. It's not. It's because we love Jesus enough to say no. He says, no, I'll not be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter because I am a son. I am a son of Almighty God. 
I'll not be called the son of this world because I have the spirit of adoption and I've been translated from the darkness into his marvelous light and I'm a child of the king. I'll say no. I'll say no. Choosing rather to suffer affliction. Is there a cost in following Jesus? I want to tell you there is. There's not a, you don't have to pay anything for to be saved. He's paid it all. But if you're going to be a disciple, I know it's old-fashioned. I know they call it legalism. I know there's no place in the church anymore. But it's the word of God. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. But you can be a Christian, Tim, and enjoy all the world. You don't have to be set. You don't, that holiness stuff, that's old stuff. We don't do that anymore. The church has become so advanced, so clever, that actually there's nothing to be separated from anymore because the world's in the church. So it's really simple. See how subtle the devil is? If there's going to be a separated people, why not just dilute that and bring the world into the church? And then once the world is in the church, then the church don't have to separate themselves from anything. We can just live and do what we please. And yes, we're saved. You see the subtlety of the devil? Anyone see the subtlety, the deception, the spirit of the year? Do you see it? God's looking someone to say, I'm going to go with Jesus. Do you want to know why? I want to be honest with you. Do you want to know why I know that that compromised world doesn't work? Do you want me to be honest with you this morning? Listen to me. Do you know why that compromised world doesn't work? Do you know why it doesn't work to have one foot in the world, um, one foot in the church? Do you know how I know it doesn't work? Because I tried to do it for a long time. You tried it? I tried to do it. My wife will tell you I tried to do it. My family will tell you, did I get saved? I got saved. But you know what I didn't realize? I thought that I could still have a wee bit of this and a wee bit of that, and everything's going to work out all right. I want to tell you something that never works. But uh, by the mercy of God and by God's grace, I tell you, I fell more than any man in this church. Or any woman in this church, I don't say that. To, I just said it to be honest with you this morning. But I do thank God for the mercy and the long-suffering of God that he never gave up. He never threw the clay away. Many people might have thrown it away, but he never did. But what I did learn in it is this. You can't live a compromised life. Do you know there's nothing like living all out for Jesus? There's nothing like having that full surrender. There's no joy like it. I've never found anything in this world that's like the joy of the Lord that floods your soul. I've never found anything in a bar in this world that what it's like when you're filled with the Holy Ghost and the river of life. Never. There's nothing can compare to being filled with the Holy Ghost. The joy filled and running over. Nothing compares to it. Nothing. But that life has to be separated and consecrated. And then when it's consecrated, the fire comes on the altar. How we need the fire. He esteemed the reproach of Christ. Do you know that word reproach? I want to tell you what it is. It means this, the insulting language or mistreatment to be defamed or taunted or disgraced. That's what it means. To be insulted to be a follower of Christ. I want to tell you, friends, Jesus says you shall be hated 
for my name's sake. And that's what you hear. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. There's nothing that this world can give you. There's nothing that you'll ever attain in this world that can compare to being noted or seen as someone, as a follower of Jesus. He had respect under the recompense of reward and by faith, not by law, not by legalism, but by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king or the wrath of your friends or the wrath of your work colleagues or the wrath of your neighbors or the wrath of your family, not fearing their wrath, but by faith he forsook it all and he endured as seeing him who's invisible. I'm going to ask a question. Have you been carried away with the spirit of Antichrist? Can I tell you something, friends? The spirit of truth will come this morning and set you free and deliver you from all fear. Is there someone or someones this morning that have been living in a compromised situation, life, one foot in the church, one foot in the world, or one foot in sin? Listen, I want to tell you there's mercy with God this morning. But he's saying, will you go with this man? Not with this man. Not with this church. But will you go with this man? Jesus, where's he going? He went outside the gate. He went outside the camp. And he suffered. You know, I read of those old missionaries. Nicky tells me the stories. Loves those missionary books. Tells them to the kids in the school. Talks about chapters. Tells us about. And they left this world. Because this world had nothing on them. They seen him and they were willing to lay everything down. And we love their stories and their testimonies. Could I tell you something the days of people, men and women and young people saying, I'm burning my bridges. I'm going all out for Jesus. Are not over. No, they're not over. But there's maybe one or two in here this morning that you know that God's saying, okay, will you go with this man? See, if you do, friends, I'm going to tell you he's no disappointment. He's everything and more. Everything and more. Will you go with him? Or will you go with the influence of this world? Friends, this morning, some people have to make a choice. Many already have. We're going with Jesus. Oh, yes, we're going with Jesus. How far are you going? I'm going all the way. I'm going all the way. He's talking to someone. He's talking to someone's. Will you go with this man? Let's pray together this morning.